What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, welcome in, everybody. Our brand new venture is the last word on sports media. I am merely TJ Reeves. We are proud. We are thrilled to be associated with LastWordOnSports.com and this media podcast feed. We have another episode post-Super Bowl now to get underway. In fact, shortly, I am going to talk with somebody. I love reading his work. Uh, He's a great follow on Twitter. This is the first time, though, that I think I've actually interviewed him, and he and I are able to see each other, talk to each other. Ken Fang will be here from Awful Announcing. Uh, Fang Bites on Twitter. I love that uh, as well with some great sports media insight on the Super Bowl and everything else. Ken will be here in a few moments. Much to get to and discuss about the big game won by the Chiefs, but in particular, the media coverage and the uh, Fox broadcast of the game and the ratings for the game and those kind of things. That's what you'll find here on this podcast with different personalities uh, in the sports media, different people with insight, etc. Whatever it is that I have to bring to the table, we try to do that here with Last Word on Sports Media. And again, you can follow or subscribe on all the podcast outlets, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of them. Uh, Love this stuff. And again, our other podcasts on this feed, George Offman, Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, uh, does a fantastic job on sports media in the Chicago area, but he also broadens out to national people that have a tie back to Chicago. Again, he's got the likes of Jason Benetti of Fox Sports and the Chicago White Sox coming up. You'll hear from Greg Gumbel on George's podcasts uh, about the NCAA tournament. Joe Madden, a former Cubs manager, coming for the baseball season. All of that on this podcast feed, so make sure you're following or subscribing to get more uh, about that. And then Mike and Phil, Mike Gill, Phil DeMont Mullen, announcer schedules podcast. Also on this feed, they do a great job. Uh, Mike was at the Super Bowl last week on Radio Row with the coverage. He and Phil with announcer schedules. And they've got some interesting names coming as guests and more. They break down who calls it well, who does the best job nationally, radio, TV, et cetera. They'll have a lot on the Super Bowl on announcer schedules. That's on that feed, on this feed right now as well. With all of that out of the way, let's get into our guest. Ken Fang is with me from Awful Announcing. I love, again, following him. I love reading his insidey stuff. How you been? Uh, did you get your fill of the Super Bowl, the game, the ads, the coverage, the 89-hour pregame show and postgame <laughs> coverage on Fox? Ken, how are you? 
Good, TJ. Good to be on with you. Finally, we get to uh, do this. We've talked many times over the last year, and uh, finally glad to get be on your show. And the fact that you're still returning my direct message, my text, or or the Zoom in this case, is good for me on this. Let's dive right in. I value your opinion. Overall, what did you think of the Super Bowl broadcast, the coverage on Fox overall? I don't know if you want to give it a grade, but what did you think? Sure. Well, I did this on awful announcing, so I'll, I'll, I, it, it's no, nothing new. But I thought that in their debut, their Super Bowl debut, Kevin Burkhardt and, and uh, Greg Olson were fantastic. They were on top of everything. Um, they didn't try to do too much. Uh, Greg Olson studied for the big SAT. And, of course, you're not told not to study for the SAT, but he did great. I thought he was on top of everything, gave his opinions on top of trends. Um there's a reason why that right now that he is um, revered more than Tony Roma at this point, because he doesn't try to do too much. He, t- he gives his opinion. He's on top of, of um, strategy, uh, es- especially uh, 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 the very last moments of the games. We said slide, don't go out of bounds, keep that clock running. Uh, was also uh, very uh, opinionated on the very last holding call. Um I thought they did great. Uh, as far as the production was concerned, I thought Fox could have done a lot better. A lot of replays were not clear. Um, TJ, I still think we're still trying to determine what is a catch, what is a football move, because I don't think that anything that Fox did, did was able to determine that. A lot of replays were just not clear, and this is a crew that has done six Super Bowls. They, they should know better. They should know and call for better replays. It looked as if some of those replays – uh, the camera angles were from from Vietnam. I don't know what they were doing, especially <laughs> you have a great uh, you have a great um, a stadium like State Farm Stadium, which has a lot of uh, conducive to a lot of great TV angles. Just not very good job by Fox uh, as production wise and the studio show. Dave got just that has to be up. Uh, that has to be totally overhauled because um as much as we love terry bradshaw as much as we love people like uh him and jimmy johnson uh they've been there since 1994 it's time for a new crew to come in um i i'm not into ageism i don't like uh getting people i don't like to call for people to lose their jobs but i think at this point fox has to look at uh, that show and really uh do a much better uh present a lot a much better panel uh than they are giving us right now so uh overall i, I gave um i gave uh burkhardt and olsen an a the production was a c um i originally gave the uh fox studio show um a c but i have to think now i, I have to regrade them as a d <laughs> so overall i think the fox has a probably a c a solid c um when they could have done much better Wow. Professor uh, Fang going back to the grades and usually you change the grade for the better. You usually don't go back and change the grade to worse no, no. Uh, on this. OK, so let you gave me a lot there. I, I love I believe that Olson, the word that I will use is blossom. And I know you know this, but I'm just going to repeat it for the audience here. I'm around an NFL game every week with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers radio broadcast. So oftentimes I won't catch whoever's announcing the Buccaneer game till much later. And I don't see a lot of games uh, live as they happen for inside and analysis. I catch up now the standalone primetime games are easier for me to see. But as, as I watched Greg Olson this year, I thought he was improving. I thought he blossomed. I, I think he has stepped up. 
I think world according to TJ, I want your thought. He's making Fox really contemplate what are we going to do with Tom Brady? If that is really reality, is he going to be in that booth by himself replacing Olsen? Is he going to be in that booth with Olsen? Or do we renegotiate and find something else for Tom Brady to do? I don't know what that is. But I think part of that is Olsen stepped up with his analysis as this year went 100%. on and the insight was there. Would you agree it's yes. made it a more difficult future process for Fox because maybe they weren't sure what they had in a number one analyst there? Yes, exactly. When when um, the whole upheaval happened early, uh, last around the same time last year with Troy Aikman leaving, with Al Michaels going to Amazon, with Mike Tirico stepping in for Sunday Night Football, I think when Fox made the move to say, okay, we're going to have a stopgap measure and have Greg Olson be the number one analyst along with Kevin Burkhart. We know that Kevin's going to be our guy uh, after Joe Buck left to go to ESPN, but they didn't know what they had in Greg Olson. Now they know he stepped up. As you mentioned, he blossomed. He really did a great job. He was the number. He was the B analyst when he started in 2021 with Kevin, um, we he was always doing the 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 top one o'clock game when Joe Buck and uh, Troy Aikman were doing the uh, the 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 Fox game of the week at at four four twenty five, but then now you he's thrust into a situation. He says, you know what? I'm going to make it very difficult for Fox to make a decision or or force their hand somehow, and he did a great job. He did a tremendous job. I think. Um, the NFC Championship where is where we really noticed how good he was. And then the Super Bowl, he stepped up again and went to another level. Um, as you mentioned, uh, Fox was hoping that, you know what, we're going to get a name in Tom Brady and, and, and make sure that he's going to be there whenever he retires. I still don't think he's fully retired. I still don't think he's going to be in the 2024 booth. That's just my opinion. I'm wrong. I'm more than happy to be wrong. But still, let's say he does. Let's say he is totally retired and let's say he just goes to the booth as he says he will in 2024 fox is going to have to have a a major decision what to do with greg olson because he's the number one analyst right now he does have an out in his contract to go to another number one job if it opens up for him um if that doesn't happen he goes back to the to the b booth um whoever that's going to be with uh, whether it's kenny albert or whether it with someone else Still, I I have a feeling that uh, Greg Olson has put himself in a very uh, a position of strength. So Fox is going to have to make a decision. Um, if Tom Brady goes in the booth in 2024, uh, maybe he becomes a three-man booth because Fox realizes what they have in him, and also it takes the pressure off Tom not to be the not, not to be the guy uh, in the booth, or they say. You know what, Tom? Why don't we just give you the top, the the Terry Bradshaw position at, on Fox NFL Sunday, and you can be uh, the guy sitting next to Kurt Menefee. Um, and then they would have a nice succession uh, there for mm. uh, Tom. And he still is on Fox in a high profile position, and he can be the guy who does the podium, like Terry Bradshaw does on on Super Bowl in the NFL NFC Championship. Or what they can do is just say, Tom, um, maybe we made a mistake. But let's negotiate something new. Uh, you produce 80 for Brady. You produce uh, content. So let's have you produce some movies for us and also have you come in and be like Derek Jeter and come in uh, when you want to come in on, on big games. So they have some options there. But I think Greg Olson has really made it a very difficult decision for Fox. 
Um, he can go to NBC and be the uh, successor for Chris Collinsworth on uh, Sunday Night Football. That's a very good possibility. I think that's the that's the next uh, analyst, uh, top analyst position that's going to be opening up maybe in the next couple of years. So um, I think Fox is, is going to be forced to, to make a very big decision. And I think right now the easiest for them is to make a three-man booth with uh, Burkhart, Olsen, and Brady. And that would not be unprecedented. Ken Fang with me here. Last word on Sports Media Podcast. Love Ken's insight. He's with Awful Announcing. Follow him at Fang Bites on social media. Uh, that is something I have talked about frequently. And let's bring it up here that when they brought Troy Aikman in 20 years ago to the booth as he retired, they brought him into a three-man booth with Chris Collinsworth having already been established and having already done this, and it made that transition easier for Aikman. And man, Aikman became elite within a matter of two or three years. Collinsworth eventually went to NBC to be their lead guy. History could easily repeat here because a lot of the same football people are still around at Fox and they remember this and they did this before. And I think it is realistic. I'm not saying guaranteed. I'm thinking it's realistic that in 2024, at least they placate Olsen and keep him in the number one booth and they work Brady in and make him more comfortable. Uh, again, again, give me something on history repeating going back to Aikman uh, benefiting from Collinsworth being there with him. What do you think? Well, also, too, don't forget that before all that that happened, Aikman retired and then went into the B booth with Kenny Albert and mm -hmm. uh, no, Dick Stockton and uh, uh, Daryl Johnston to give him some reps. He, the, he, so at that time, you weren't going to shoehorn him into be a number, uh, an, a, an A analyst or the number one analyst. They gave him the number two team. So that season he was allowed to get some reps, do a whole season, get familiar with t TV. And then when uh, Pat Summerall and John Madden were moved away from the Fox A booth, Fox decided to say, well, we're going to bring in a young guy in Joe Buck, also team him up with Chris Collinsworth from the, at that time was working with Fox NFL Sunday, and then bring in Tr Troy Aikman to get him more familiar. Collinsworth was a guy who had uh, done some work with NBC uh, game-wise and then also was on the studio with Fox. So it was a very nice transition took the pressure off Troy. He wasn't the name guy. It was going to be Chris Collinsworth. They could work off each other. They called the Super Bowl also too, uh, Patriots and Eagles, if I don't if I Correct. Correct. And then when um, Collinsworth left, Aikman could be the number one guy with uh, Joe Buck, and they formed a great team. And as you can see, they're still doing it with ESPN now some 20 years later. So I think that, yes, history could repeat itself. If let's say Tom remains retired and says, you know what? Taking 2023 off, I'm going to be ready for the 2024 season. They put him in with uh, Burkhardt and Olsen, and Brady can be going in and not have all that pressure being the totally the number one guy. He can be the 1A guy next to the one guy, and then uh, whenever Greg decides to go or decides that Fox says, this is a great booth, let's keep it together for 20 years. That could easily happen. Uh, it's it's great point that you make that uh, Brady will be doing this cold, as we like to say, having not been worked in on another booth. Now, I believe part of what he was mentioning when he gave that interview with Colin Cowherd, and he's now said it on his own podcast, is he may end up doing some mock broadcasts where he's actually at a game. They're actually calling the game in a separate truck with a producer, director, practicing. I mean, there's multi, multi billions of dollars flowing every which direction in the television world of the NFL. And so I could easily see some of that going on to rehearse uh, actual dress rehearsals 
like the real thing that could help him down the road too. So that part will be fascinating. Ken continues to maintain. He, you think he could play, that he will be back to play this year in 2023? Because again, I'm close to it with the Buccaneers. Sure. Who's really who's really close to it with Brady and what he's going to do? He doesn't let anybody in on that until he's ready to do it. But my read is I believe the football part is over. I sense because you've said it twice, you have not ruled out he's back playing this fall. I don't rule it out with him. Um, now, did he look tired when he made that video in, in, in the beachfront property? Yes, he did. He looked absolutely tired. Did he look like the old Tom Brady in the 2022 season when he played? No, he was. De- and of course, a lot of that had to do with offensive line. That was that was right. that was rather leaky. He was do- doing a lot more running for his life and he threw a lot of more interceptions. He looked a lot of like Brett Favre when he was playing for the New York Jets. But having said that, the competitive juices in him, I have a feeling he just doesn't want to go out that way. And I have a feeling that maybe there'll be some team that will say that'll lure him away. Say, look, Tom, we got the offensive line. We got the weapons you need. You don't have to come to training camp. You know that you, we know that you're, 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 you're a physical specimen. That's totally different than any other animal. Um, we'll give you a, a contract come in one season, uh, Give us, give us all you got. We'll go, we'll go for the championship and come on in and help us. Whether that's the Raiders, whether that's the 49ers, I don't know. Now, could he stay retired? I'm, I'm more than happy to be wrong, TJ. I'm more no, than I got happy you. I got you. So two things I would interject. One, and again, I'm 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 helping you. I'm helping everybody else that's hearing this. I saw this at field level up close and personal. There were signs as the year continued to go on. Looks like a 45-year-old, and we hadn't yes. seen that the previous couple of years. 100%. So that's a factor. And now you're talking about eight or nine months from now. How do you look in a new situation somewhere else when you're 46, Ken yeah. Fang? I used to think 46 was old. I think 46 is young now because I'm older. Uh, but in any event, it's old in football. All right. The second thing, and this is vital, is he has just begun to get some balance on joint custody of the kids with Giselle, and that's based in Florida. I I do not say 1,000% never, 100% never, 10,000% never, but when you go to try to play in San Francisco or Las Vegas, you're not going to see your kids during the yeah, season. Exactly. You were going to mm-hmm. see them if you're regionally close to Miami, Tampa, Jacksonville, something close where you could see them. So I think that's another huge factor that says to me he's ready to go on with the next phase. We'll find out what happens with that. So there's a good back and forth on that one. I'm going to move on to the ratings for the game. So the rating, Fox is touting the rating massively successful at averaging 113 million people. Now, a disclaimer on this, as we always talk uh, in the former incarnation of this podcast feed with John Lewis of sportsmediawatch.com, you have to factor in the out of home. You know this, Ken. You're measuring now more audience with the out of home measurement than what was measured even as recently as three or four years ago. So three or four years ago, you could have had this same massive number, but you weren't measuring people that left their home with a portable people meter and what they were watching. So we should stipulate to that. Still, 113 million average with a peak right after halftime of 118 million it is just amazing how much audience is there. Or maybe you thought that it should have been bigger, uh, including with a close game. Kansas City's great second half, close game, last second field goal. Ken, what are your thoughts on the numbers? 
Uh, final number is out. It's 113.1 million. So that's the final number that Fox put out. I, to be honest with you, um, I was as optimistic as the Fox people. I thought this was going to be a record. I thought it was going to be over 115 million. But having said that, 113 million is still very good. It's the highest Super Bowl viewership in seven years. So Fox is not going to be disappointed with that. They're going to take that to the bank. They uh, charge $7 million per 30-second ad. So they made, <laughs> they, made, they made their bank. They're very happy. Um, they're not disappointed with that at all. And 118.7 million watched Rihanna rubber belly and uh, tell the world that she was pregnant. So um, again, they're not disappointed with that number at all. Um, I think they gave some uh, very good guarantees and they're not going to do any givebacks. They're not going to refund any money. They're going to keep all that money. And I, 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 I to be honest with you, um, they're very happy with that number. I thought it was going to be higher, but then again, um, with the, 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 the viewership has been steadily increasing. It was down to what, at least one, one Super Bowl was under a hundred million in the last 10 years, but they Nielsen admitted they undercounted that. But overall, this is where the number should be. And again, worth mentioning a second time, they're now measuring people with portable people meters, and that's added in uh, yep. to the to the metric because it's probably five to ten million more that are watching right. out of home, maybe more than that on the metric. It's important to point that out. Right. I thought it was interesting that the peak of the audience was right after the halftime in the eight Eastern time first like segment. The 9 Eastern time window, it's an exciting fourth quarter of the game. It kind of surprised me that the audience didn't swell. Does that indicate to you that, hey, if you had the game on, you weren't turning it off, and if you weren't watching by the time Rihanna got up there at halftime and did that act, you weren't turning it on in the second half, no matter how close it was. Either you had it on, you had it on since halftime, or you had it on all along, or you weren't turning in for it to be – tuning in for it to be a bigger number what do you make of that yeah i i, I will agree with that tj i think uh there there were millions who were wanted to who said that rihanna was basically interrupted by the football game um the halftime is always the peak viewership um 118.7 million for rihanna it's always bigger than the actual game itself so that does not surprise me that people who were waiting for rihanna basically left the game and those people who stayed with the game to watch the rest of the game and the and the commercials were there. Um, that is that is pretty much what I expected. So um, the Super Bowl is a totally different animal. People who are on social media are watching the game anyway. They're not shutting it off. They're not turning away. You're not going to get more of a peak audience um, in the fourth quarter like you normally would for a football game because everybody in the country is watching it anyway. So, and uh, by that time, people are cleaning up the uh, the parties from the avocado dip and the and the buffalo wings, um, yes. and uh, they're getting ready to go home. And then once Terry Bradshaw gets on the podium to make strange comments about uh, waddling over, they're mm. leaving they're and home. cheeseburgers. Uh, yes. Yeah. And by the way, shout out to the avocados from Mexico ad with Adam and Eve. That one was definitely creative. With Anna Ferris, we always love Anna Ferris. Yes, and Anna Ferris, yes. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. 
Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Uh, okay, great stuff here off the Super Bowl, uh, which co- which concludes the NFL season. Uh, so let's move into a couple of other things real quick while I have you. Very interesting because you were tweeting about this. I've read into some of it. The NBA rights are coming up in part uh, or in whole. Uh, okay. Uh, NBC, those three letters that were associated in the 1990s, the NBA on NBC. I'll try my Marv Barbara. The NBA on NBC. Yes. Or, yes. <laughs> and the foul. Uh, okay. They want back in. Apparently, mm-hmm. or what What do we know? What do we think about NBC becoming a media rights negotiator player for the NBA? What do we what do we know? What do we think? Well, interesting thing. Um, the story came from CNBC, which is NBC's uh, business partner. But they would they, I would think they would know that if NBC is interested in coming back in the NBA, as we know, NBC and the NBA, um, synonymous with the 1990s the peak of the nba with michael jordan the six nba championships there and then all coming in right when kobe bryant was coming in the in the early 2000s in the aughts um people are always romanticizing about the nba and nbc and for good reason they, they provided some great coverage then um there has been speculation about the nba's second partner which is turner or the old turner warner brothers discovery um a shot was thrown over the bow uh, last year when Warner Brothers said that they don't necessarily need the NBA to keep afloat. So there's that possibility that NBC could take that particular package. The second package put the games on USA. OG fans will remember that in the 1980s, USA Network had the NBA. Very nice. Score yourself ten, Score yourself 15 bonus points from TJ, because I remember watching that. I'm old enough to watch that. Continue on about USA Cable having early early 80s NBA playoffs, please. And remember who called those games? Marv Brothers, Al, Marv Albert's brother, Al Albert, used to call those games. So <laughs> I didn't just, remember that, but I remember those games being on USA Network because the NBA, by God, could get on during the week on network TV. They were scrambling for cable, and yes. USA was an outlet. Yep. And uh, I'll, I'll do a little history lesson. USA also aired Major League Baseball and the NHL during that time, too. But anyway, I digress. So let's say NBC gets back in. It has a great has a great partner. Um, has a great cable outlet called USA. And it'd be interesting to, you know, they could, you know, along with uh, those reality programs that the USA still likes to air, um, that would be some great programming. USA, of course, is now the outlet for NBC Sports since NBC Sports Network has gone away. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it would not be out of the realm of possibility for NBC to take that. Plus, they would be able to have games on the weekends, maybe um, like uh, those old uh, MB- NBC triple headers. Go do ahead. you do you believe that NBC can coexist with ESPN slash ABC as the network deal? Because in the chronology of these deals, CBS had it for so long with showing the playoffs, showing the finals, the biggest games. Then NBC had it for so long. Now ESPN slash ABC with the finals in particular. Can they coexist? Can it is it an either or? Can ESPN and NBC coexist and alternate who gets the finals? Do you believe that that can happen? Possibly. But although here's something else. Um NBC's owner is Comcast and they have a lot of money 
and they have uh, they wouldn't mind taking a package away from Disney and ESPN and saying, here, if you want to take that second package, you go right ahead. NBC lost the NHL to who? ESPN. They would love nothing more than to take that to, to do a little tit for tat and say, you know what? If you're going to take the NHL, why don't we just take your NBA, let's take your NBA package away from you? Now, also in a recent uh, earnings call, Bob Iger, who is the Disney CEO, I don't want to get too inside baseball, but I'll, I'll, I'll do it here. Um, he did say that maybe ESPN will get more selective in sports rights negotiations, and maybe they'll lose a sports thing, sports rights or two. Um, NBC did that after losing the NHL after they signed the uh, uh, NFL contract to keep the NFL. I wouldn't be surprised to say ESPN saying, you know what, we've got a lot of things. We want to concentrate on college football, get the uh, college football playoff. We, we want to maintain the NFL. Um, maybe we uh, it's OK if we maybe give a lower bid for the NBA and see what happens. I think it's interesting you bring up the NHL because the NBC mentality has been for a long time. Maybe it's evolving a little bit. We want people to come only to hear, only to us, for the biggest moment, the biggest championship moment, and they had that with hockey. And when Gary Bettman in the NHL decided we want more partners and we want to split it up, I again, well, world according to TJ, correct me. If you know more, know better. I think they were out, NBC, on the mentality of we don't want to split the Stanley Cup yes. biggest finals, the Eastern Conference, Western Conference finals. They haven't had the Eastern Conference and Western Conference finals every year because of all the craziness before. But we don't want to split that. We just want to be the biggest hockey games network. So I just wonder on that mentality, if it has evolved a little bit, we're willing to split it for the NBA, just like we're willing to split it up. It's the NFL, for God's sake. you got to split it up. But are we willing to relent on that when they apparently weren't willing to relent on it for hockey? Because for 15 years, if you were watching the biggest hockey games at the end, they were only on NBC, Ken. Right. And they also did that for the Big Ten. They were willing to split the Big Ten package. As long as they could do the primetime games, that's fine. That's uh, that's something we'll be coming up and watching later this year. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling. Now, I have a feeling, to be honest with you, they're going to go after ESPN's package. I have a feeling that's what they want. They want to be able to, as you mentioned, the biggest games. That's always been their strategy. We want the big events on NBC, and we'll show regular season games on cable or streaming or Peacock or whatever. Um, but I think that maybe they'll... Uh, a, a little piece of them says, let's go after TNT's package, get that, but we'll also find a way to split the finals and the playoffs with ESPN if they, ESPN wants to stay in. I think they're going to go big first, and then maybe uh, if they don't get that, they'll say, let's go for TNT's package. But I think they're really going to go big first. And interesting, again, with NASCAR, their split deal is still the back half and it's the most important playoff yeah. races are on for the for the next uh for the NASCAR Cup are on NBC. Right. Same same mentality um for other sports that they have had in the past that we're going to put the biggest the biggest events when they were doing baseball it's because they wanted the World Series to be on NBC and once it became apparent they're going to split it up alternate it Fox eventually uh jumped in but uh, golf, the same way. I know that's the other one I was going to mention. They split it with CBS, but when it gets to the PGA Tour playoffs and the biggest event uh, that the Tour has at the end with the FedEx Cup, 
They want to be the now it's interesting if I'm not mistaken, hasn't CBS moved their way in to televise, I think, one playoff event now for the tour playoffs. We'll have to look that up, but I think they moved their way in either last year or the year before, but it used to be NBC had all the PGA Tour playoff events and then the FedEx Cup because their mentality was we can show it elsewhere, but we want the biggest ones at the end. Yeah, they uh, the new PGA contract that started last year, um, NBC and CBS will split uh, showing the year-end uh, PGA. Interesting, uh, the, FedEx the FedEx Cup. So okay. CBS will start that this year. The, NBC had it last year, CBS will have it this year. And NBC will have it next year. So interesting all- on alternating. Yes. Well, and, and it would be fascinating if they end up uh with the rights instead of ESPN and go back to that. And, and then they got to bring the round ball rock with John Tesh back. Although Fox, although Fox has it right now uh for all of their basketball coverage, for all their college basketball coverage, we still hear that. Few moments left. You've been so good uh with your time. Is there something else out there right now on the landscape? Whatever it is, maybe it's the uh, Ken, are we talking enough? about the the pending disaster on the regional level for baseball, for Major League Ooh. Baseball we're talking Ooh. about, if this Bally Sports bankruptcy thing begins to affect rights fees and the television broadcasts of games and potential lawsuits that could come from Major League teams because they miss payments on it, the, uh, the voiding of contracts. I, I know in a couple of markets, I'm not reporting this, I'm just telling you, they are waiting with bated breath for the Bally's deal to fall apart in their market because they want to negotiate with X, whoever X is, whether it's the Braves, whether it's the St. Louis Cardinals, whomever. Are we making a big enough deal about the fact that this Sinclair bankruptcy thing could disrupt numerous Major League Baseball massive right holder deals? Uh, I think it's going to be very interesting. I think Major League Baseball is waiting for those uh, Bally sports regional sports networks to collapse. They're waiting for that because they want to take those rights in-house. They saw what MLS did and make this big deal with Apple and do global rights. Now, are they going to do global rights? Probably not. But they want to be able to do one whole clearinghouse, one-stop shopping, so the baseball fan and also get rid of all these ridiculous blackouts where someone like Iowa can't watch <laughs> five five teams and or Las Vegas or Hawaii where five teams have declared them and they have local blackouts. They want to get rid of those. MLS was able to do that with right. the new deal with Apple and uh, Apple team. Now, but if I'm the, if I can interject, I don't mean to interrupt just to be rude. If I'm the Go Minnesota ahead. twins and I'm expecting a hundred million dollars from the RSN deal, if I'm the Tampa Bay Rays, the Cincinnati Reds, the Texas Rangers, and that's now disrupted or not coming, that is big trouble looming. Is it, it not? Is. Or am I, am I over-exaggerating it? No, you're not. And you can't sign free agents and you can't do a lot of things that you want to do. However, if Major League Baseball, and I admit that I'm not a big fan of uh, of the commissioner there, Rob Manfred, he does. Uh, he may have a vision here. He's not. A, he's been accused of not having vision. But if he has some vision here and making a one house clearing clearing house or find a way that these clubs can still make their money off rights fees and eliminate all those blackouts but also at the same time uh give something like a similar to a, a an nfl sunday ticket where people can watch the games from out of town no matter where they are if i'm a red sox fan i want to be able to watch the red sox not only in new england but also everywhere else anywhere in the world if he can do that and give the clubs what they want and he's watching maybe the mls model as well with apple tv 
this could be a big, huge game changer, not only for baseball, but for all the sports. So I think that's one thing he's trying to do. And I think that's what's coming. Um, I have a feeling that uh, because uh, the NBA clubs and the NHL clubs are continuing to sign deals with the Valley Sports, it's hoping that maybe something clears up. But if this bankruptcy deal goes through and Valley's misses a payment, Watch out, and watch how quickly Major League Baseball comes in and takes those rights back in house. Yeah, they're not going to have a public uh, announcement or a press release, but they're almost maybe rooting for that. Maybe they yes. want that to happen, like you're saying. I so I think they do. Uh, all right, we will find out. Anything else, my friend? You've given me so much here. I love the insight on the last word on sports media podcast here. Anything else? Uh, that we haven't covered that's on your mind as we uh, uh, trudge through the middle of February. We're almost to the NCAA tournament, which I, it's my favorite event. I mm. love this thing. Can't wait for it. Anything else, though, uh, for right uh, well, now? Or are we good? I'm, I'm watching Pac-12 media rights because I know it's West Coast, but uh, with everything that's been going on, uh, Big 12 has already settled their rights. Of course, we saw what happened with the Big 10 go last year going uh, to Fox, CBS, and NBC, cutting out ESPN. Watch for those Pac-12 meteorites and watch for the potential collapse of the Pac-12. If they can't find anything, watch six of those teams go to the Pac-12 and watch maybe the Northwest teams go to the Pac, uh, go to the Big Ten, thus making the Big Ten contract even more and maybe potential what the Big Ten wants, late night games on Amen. a partner like Peacock, USA, or FS1. Watch out for that. That's probably going to be coming in the next six months. Well, and and the uh, the real danger right now, if you are the Pac-12, is there is nothing stopping uh, a deal from the Big Ten to pair up those West Coast teams with USC and UCLA. That deal Absolutely. is done, and that is scary for them yes. uh, because if it's Oregon and Washington in particular – and maybe then coming down the coast of, of Stanford and Cal, who've been traditional rivals, and yep. you suddenly now have four extra partners with USC and UCLA out west. I mean, that's advantageous for the Big Ten to try to do that. I mean, the Pac-12 the Pac has got to figure something out. If you, if, uh, if you had uh, to predict right now, February 2025, two years from now, TJ – Ken are talking the Pac-12 still exists two no. years from now no I think they're done I think it does history. not exist two years from now I think the big 12 uh, the 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 big 12 cannibalizes takes over the the teams that the big 10 doesn't want and the big 10 has a wet has it's, a, it, look it's no secret that the big 12 wants Colorado back in the fold it's no secret that they want the Arizona Wildcats do they want Arizona yep. State too do they want them both it's no yep. secret that they would want both of those programs, uh, if the raid is on and you believe it could come. So when is the Pac-12 the Pac deal up after this year or after 24, Can Clarify. It's, not, it's after 24. They, they, they put, the, uh, they put the, the media rights up for market right now early. They found that ESPN is giving millions of dollars less. They're going to Amazon, and Amazon says we'll take him for ten cents on the dollar. Ooh. And the Pac-12 is right now, and the Pac-12 presidents are angry, and right now they're looking east. They're looking east at potentially going over and saying, you know what, we'll be selling you. We, we Big Twelve, you want us? Give us a deal. We know that you have a great deal with uh, ESPN and Fox. We'll be glad to come in. 
Big 12, we know you have that great deal, and you're looking for uh, late late net games. We'll be going over to you. So I think they're going to be willing to sell themselves to the highest bidder out east. Interesting for the Pac-12. Not a coincidence that George Kalievakov, do I get that name right? He was at Southern Methodist University's basketball game last week. Yes. Uh, not a coincidence. He was in the in the suite with the president and the athletic director. I mm-hmm. don't think they were talking about the ponies chances to make the NCAA tournament. Somehow, right. I think they were talking about an invite uh, to maybe help get the Dallas TV market involved for the Pac-12. We'll see. It won't be dull. That's for sure. Uh, listen, I love the insight. I love the cut. Promise me that I get to bother you again at some point in and around March or somewhere down the road. Anytime you want. Anytime you want. I love to bother Ken Fang in and around everything else he's got going. Awful announcing where you're reading. Fang Bites on social media. Fang's Bites with an S. Fang's Bites with an S for Ken Fang. Ken Fang does a great job. He's done so with me. Thank you, my friend, for hanging out on the last uh, Word on Sports Media podcast with me on this edition post-Super Bowl, sir. TJ, uh, great to be on with you. Finally glad we got to connect on this, and uh, anytime. More on the last Word on Sports Media podcast in a couple of moments. First, a word about a sponsor uh, with us. That is Ticket Smarter, TicketSmarter.com and the Ticket Smarter mobile app. We got NBA All-Star Weekend coming up, Daytona 500 coming up. If you got your seats, are you looking for the best selection and the best pricing on the secondary market? We recommend Ticket Smarter. They are new sponsors here with us as part of the Last Word on Sports Media uh, podcast and the feed of shows of the Last Word on Sports uh, podcast network. Ticket smarter for everything college basketball as we're heading to the month of March with the conference tournaments, the NCAA tournament, uh, whether it's the Stanley Cup playoffs, it'll be here before you know it. The NBA playoffs, the start of the baseball season. Great selection. Your ticket purchase is guaranteed 100% safe, secure, and guaranteed. And we've got a promo code offer. Uh, from us use the promo code hoops 23 whether it's for the nba all-star game this weekend for the march madness coming up use hoops 23 and take ten dollars off your order that could be for anything not just the basketball pga tour tickets that we're talking about even the live golf tickets uh whatever it is daytona 500 uh nhl regular season use hoops 23 take ten dollars off your order use that promo code as much as you want as many times as you want Hoops 23 takes $10 off with Ticket Smarter. Download the mobile app. Go to TicketSmarter.com to find out more on their pricing and uh, and how they take care of you on the secondary market with a safe, secure purchase. 100% guarantee. Satisfaction guaranteed on your purchase with Ticket Smarter. Think smarter. Ticket Smarter. Our promo code Hoops23 gets you 10 bucks off your order with Ticket Smarter. And I get the opportunity now to talk to one of my faves. I always love mixing it up with this guy most of the time off the air, but sometimes it happens on the air. He and I, after all, did a boatload of podcasts about 80s and 90s and more movies uh, called We've Seen That. You can look those up and find those uh, here and there, all of our reviews, and we bring them back sometimes. But he's in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and I've got a lot to talk to Jay Betzel about, a.k.a. the famous Jay, a.k.a. Big Time. He joins me on the Last Word on Sports Media podcast to go over several things from Super Bowl to Kyrie Irving's showing up in his market to play for the Mavericks. He's a big golf guy, the famous Jay, and some guy named Tiger Woods is coming back to play this weekend on the PGA Tours uh, Genesis Open, uh, what is the Riviera or L.A. Open in, in in past tense. And so I've got so much to talk to him about. How you been? 
uh, big time. Uh, how are things post Super Bowl and ready to talk about these other things? How are things? Fantastic. What an honor to even get the request to come on today. Stop it. Stop it. Because you and I, people need to know you and I talk uh, and text like 15 times every week. Uh, so, but now we, we are doing this officially. And by the way, Jay's been with me on Fox Sports Radio previously, breaking down everything in the DFW area. Uh, been with me in other uh, broadcast incarnations besides uh, media podcasts like this. So uh, I love doing this with you. Um, and again, you can uh, follow him at the famous Jay and what DFW Sports Weekly, right? Do I have that correct on your newest outlet uh, that you're part it, of? DFW Sports Online. I, I DFW do golf Sports and every now and then I'll mix in some Cowboys and TCU stuff. Yes, and Jay's also been with the Fort Worth Star-Telegram and the Dallas Morning News, writing in and around sports, entertainment. If it's going on in Dallas-Fort Worth, he's got you plugged in. He also does stuff with the entertainment part of WBAP Radio's morning show, very famous in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. All right, so enough of your resume and why I have you here. Let's get into the nuts and bolts of it from a sports media standpoint. I just talked a bunch with Ken Fang of Awful Announcing about the Super Bowl, his grade, his breakdown. I'm curious what the famous Jay thought of the first ever Kevin Burkhart, Greg Olson, Fox Super Bowl, how it was broadcast, how you think they did. Give me a little bit on that. It was certainly an exciting game. You know, I thought they did really good. I watched them a lot this year because obviously them having the A games and then a lot of times they would have the – the Cowboy games, even though they might not have been the most entertaining game of the week, they would draw the ratings. So we had some Greg Olson, Kevin Burkhart on the Cowboy games. And I thought they did really good. I thought Greg Olson did a good job explaining stuff. And I kind of liked the the controversial holding penalty at the end, how he kind of – what's a good way to put it? He kind of took the side of the Eagles, right? Like he was kind of saying that he didn't think they should have thrown the flag. And, you know, from a fan standpoint, I didn't really care who won the game. I just wanted a good game, and that's what we got. And I almost think them throwing that flag kind of robbed us of that, like, minute-and-a-half drive that the um, Eagles might have done because that would have been fourth down, so Kansas City would have had to kick field goal, correct? Correct. They would have had to kick it earlier, and then you don't notice Philadelphia retied. They get the winning touchdown. But, you know, uh, I, I've weighed in on a couple of other places. Uh, Kansas City's trying to score a touchdown there, too, as well. And Smith Schuster is the primary receiver that Patrick Mahomes is trying to throw the ball to. So, and uh, I, I know we're not on trial, and you're not on the uh, uh, on the witness stand here. Although you and I love crime uh, movies and in the '80s and '90s, like Presumed Innocent and A Few Good Men. I, you are not Jessup, and I am not Caffey here. But when the player himself says, "Yeah, I held him. I did it," that's like admitting the code red uh, there at the end of the uh, the Super Bowl. But you're right; Olson was critical. Olsen was critical of the officials. He was critical of some of the things in the game. And overall, as I was saying to Ken, I want your thought. I think he's going to make it increasingly difficult on what do they do with Tom Brady? And do they just move Olsen aside as opposed to the theory of the three-man booth? Uh, your thoughts on any of that With as we've seen Greg Olsen develop a little bit? I think he's done really good, and I did see somewhere that if Brady takes the top spot, he loses. He goes down mm -hmm. to $3 million from $10 million for being in the second spot. And I think his contract, I believe I saw somewhere, was through 2026. So it's possible. And, and he's available that, also, and Ken clarified this, to walk away. If right. he is not the number one guy, he can walk away. Okay. And that's smartly negotiated by his people, by his agent and his people. 
because in theory, he would be in demand possibly for Sunday night football to replace Chris Collinsworth maybe in a year or two. Or maybe the Thursday night Amazon Prime opens up if Kirk Herbstreet decides this is too much. I don't want to keep doing it. So it's it's fascinating. He's he's got We've also got some the Romo options. backlash on CBS. Yep. So it's possible that something may happen there with his you know acting career with the Michelob commercial <laughs> during the you know, he's playing okay. Charles Backler during Super Bowl. This, then maybe he decides he wants to do that. So we can cross over because Romo is obviously still in the Dallas Fort Worth area. I want the famous Jay's opinion. Do you believe? What do you believe on is CBS really upset and was CBS really trying to find out is he really going to ever get uh, back to being engaged and into this? They're trying to make it seem like that's a media creation and not the case. What is the famous Jay theory and what do you believe is the long-term future of Tony Romo doing the number one game on CBS? I believe he had a 10-year deal, so he's not going anywhere. You know, He's not giving that money up. You know, 10 years at what 18 million a year and you know Andrew Marchand I saw him the New York Post have that they they done the intervention and he's a great follow for people that like sports media mm-hmm. and he's usually right and he's usually first you know it's between him and John Oran with the sports business journal who has it first so for him to say they did an intervention you know who am I to say he's not right but at the same time it certainly seems like that his first couple of years when he was on top of all the players he'd been studying film you know, he's predicting all the plays that he was just, you know, he was the latest, greatest thing. And he was so different from Troy Aikman and Chris Collinsworth. I think a lot of people loved it. The, you know, that was kind of fresh. But now it seems like in a way he's, I don't know, I'm not one to say that he's not necessarily prepared. Like, I know that's been the criticism a lot. I don't know that, you know, I'm not sure what he's been doing as far as his studying up or whatever. But it does kind of seem like that he's doing a lot more of the, what do you think, Jim? And what do you think, Gene? Which is kind of what right. you think he's there to tell them what he thinks. But I I like him. I, I don't have the same problem with him. A lot of people seem to. And I think he's kind of fun because he's different. And it's probably the fact that, you know, I've interacted with him here and he's always mm-hmm. been really cool to me. I'll probably kind of grade him on a curve. But I do see it's different from when he started. But I don't think necessarily he's as bad as everyone's making out. I think it just sometimes it becomes the cool thing to build somebody up to tear him down. That's true too. In that market, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna come back to this in a moment or two when we talk Kyrie Irving in that market. In that market, is he being defended by local sports radio, by local uh Dallas Morning News, Fort Worth Star Telegram? Is he being defended locally there because he's a cowboy, uh, et cetera? Or is some of this piling on in the local market? I'm curious. Oh, um, you know, I listen to a lot of the national sports podcasts like yours but mm-hmm. when i do listen to the local radio like the ticket there's been a couple of guys on on there that have gotten on him to him for a long time and haven't thought he was that great and you know like george dunham that's on the ticket he's a lot of times saying that you know when he gets these exemptions to the golf tournaments he, he just gets kind of fired up i don't think he's the biggest romo fan but you know i mean i wouldn't necessarily say that overall they've just completely come down on him but there's a, uh, some other guys on the ticket. They'll play some of the clips from him and Jim Nance. And, you know, there's always the Frank Caliendo doing the fake Tony Romo. And it, it, it's hard to say. I wouldn't say necessarily that everyone around here has totally come down on him or whatever. But he's, you know, he, he didn't – he's not Troy Aikman. He didn't win three Super Bowls. So you have to kind of look at it that way too. <laughs> All good points from the famous Jay. Jay Betzel is with me on the Last Word on Sports Media podcast. For a few more moments here, he's gracious with his time. All right, so let's pick up 
uh, on that same kind of theme. So Kyrie Irving traded yet again. You know my line. You've heard me use my line. He's almost being passed around like the offering plate at church at this point. It's another trade. It's another new location, another start over, this time in Dallas with Luka and, and the Mavericks, who are good, who are in contention, kind of middle of the pack in the West. They're in playoff contention. He's been there now for a couple of games. They lost the home opener, if I'm wrong, correct me. They lost the home opener earlier this week. How is this being received again in the local market, in the local media? Is he being embraced as somebody that can help, or is it by and large, what is Mark Cuban doing? This is this is a, a better than even chance that he's going to be divisive and a problem here. How, how is it playing in Dallas-Fort Worth, Kyrie Irving coming to the Mavericks? Well, first off, you know, what they had wasn't working. So, you know, mixing it up a little bit and adding another superstar for Luka, this is the first time the Mavericks have ever had two all-star starters you know, in the same year. So from that standpoint, you know, it was, there's some excitement there getting someone of his talent. You know, there's everyone knows the stuff that's gone on with him, whether it's the flat earth stuff or, you know, whatever you want to say about him off the court, you know, and, and his time with Brooklyn, his time with Boston, even his back to towards the end of his time with Cleveland, there's been some dramatics. And a lot of this talk here has been, you know, his contract's about to be up. up so people are thinking maybe he'll be on his best behavior since he's up for, a, you know, what could probably be his last big contract. And um, there's some excitement there just having someone in new. And, and I know that a lot of the season, like, you know, it's been Luca and a bunch of other guys and now it's Luca has got some help and that's kind of what there's the talk has been around the Mavericks you know there was even a mural in the Deep Ellum neighborhood in Dallas somebody had painted of Luca holding up a sign please send help and <laughs> it's a so they they have help now and you know when he so with Kyrie Irving being here they seem like they've got a little extra pep in their step and they've the ball movement has been quite improved although they've lost the two games that he and Luca have played in together and including uh when we're Recording this last night, they lost to Minnesota. They were down by like 27. I think Kyrie scored 26 in the fourth quarter alone. Yes. And then at the end, they had the ball with a chance to tie. And it was actually kind of funny because they kept passing it back and forth to each other. Like they were both trying to show how selfless they were. It ended up not working out. But it's they're, they're a fun team to watch, you know, and the Mavericks are – are popular around here. They're not the Cowboys, but you know the Cowboys are the most valuable franchise in the world. Hey, I believe. Hey, so they've, no one won else a, they've won a championship since the Cowboys last won a championship. We'll say that for Mark Cuban's Dallas Mavericks. Where do you come down? Just real quick, your opinion. You've been around the Mavericks a bunch, covered them a bunch, covered Mark Cuban a bunch. Is this something out of desperation to make this move, or do you believe this is shrewd, Mark Cuban, that he maybe realizes this can really help? As you mentioned, contract coming up, so maybe they let him walk away. But is this more shrewd, Mark Cuban, in your mind? I remember the Mavericks before he bought the team and what they they were basically the worst franchise in all sports right there with the old Clippers. So I, I will always give the nod to him that they know what they're doing. You know, a lot of people, in fact, a lot of the national shows on ESPN and Fox have said that it was obviously desperation. But, I mean, I think it has a chance to work out, especially because, you know, they're not on the hook for a long-term contract. Like that Christoph Porzingis that they traded last year, they kind of had to just try and get out from underneath that contract. And, you know, here they've got a chance, you know, to do to make some noise in the West. Obviously, they made this move before Kevin Durant got traded to Phoenix. But, 
Yeah, just from a fan standpoint, I don't do. I'm not covering the Mavericks this year much of anything. So from a fan standpoint, I think it just it brings some energy and some excitement. Good enough on that. Couple more moments here. Let's talk PGA Tour. Uh, you were buzzing my phone. A lot of people. We were going back and forth. Tiger Woods is back on a PGA Tour event for the first time, basically in about two seasons. He did not play a PGA Tour event. Last year, he had an injury-riddled year where he only played in three events, didn't even complete all of them in major championships, trying to play. All right, so he is due to be back for the Genesis Open, what is the former L.A. Open. It's Riviera Country Club. It's had several different sponsor names. Tiger played this event growing up as a teenager, as an amateur, so it has a special place for him. Interesting, how many bets could you win on the trivia question, how many times has Tiger won the L.A. Open or the Genesis Open in his career? And the answer, as the famous Jay would know, is zero. zero. He's never won this event. I know you're amped. I know he brings, and, and I'm not saying that I'm not. I'm not saying that I'm not going to be interested. He brings extra eyeballs, millions of extra eyeballs whenever he's at the event. What is your expectation? CBS very much wants him on the weekend. I don't know that he gets to the weekend. I don't know that he can walk. 36 holes on Thursday and Friday anymore because of the serious car crash uh, a couple of years ago, if he'll ever be the same. What is your expectation with Tiger returning? Golf Channel will be all over it. CBS wants him on the weekend. What's your expectation? Famous Jay. Quick question. Have you been to Riviera? Have you been out on the grounds there? I have not. I have not. Have you had the opportunity to be there? Oh, I've I, never I know you, your PGA Tour radio. I didn't know if you might have or not. Um, I have never I've worked actually, that one. Kind of no, funny. but go ahead. I, yes. I've eaten lunch there, but I've never been out of the golf course. So I've been on that patio. You, I was going to say, did you eat on the patio that overlooks yeah, 18? Yes, yeah, so you can look famously. down and see the 18 and number one. And so I, I'm not sure about the actual grounds down below, how flat it is or what. It looks like it's not too super hilly on TV. I know like 18 and one, there's some serious hills. But um, that, as far as Tiger goes, you know, that's going to be the big thing for him is how his, his uh, health holds up. And – you like you've mentioned, he's played this one. I believe he played it when he was 15, you know, and then there for a while he didn't play this one. This tournament kind of was like the Nissan Open for a while. Mm -hmm. it, it was just kind of another event, you know, and he's he just didn't, he hadn't played well at this course. And he's even joked around about it since he's kind of taken over the hosting of this that, you know, he doesn't ever play well there. But as far as the TV goes, you know, ESPN Plus has PJ Tour Live. And Thursday and Friday, he is paired with Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy, which is so not, which you know, by the he, way is not an accident. And that, and I'm with you with where you're going with this. Keep going. Well, you know, you, you on ESPN Plus, you can watch that grouping. It's kind of like you know the Masters and U.S. Open, how they'll have their, um, you know, their groupings and stuff. The you know, marquee marquee group, and, right, right, correct. And this is a, one of the marquee groups, and they actually this threesome played together. I want to say it was in nineteen. And it was really kind of funny. Justin and Rory were both saying when they came off the course, they just looked mentally and physically exhausted from dealing with Tiger's galleries, you know? And, and so well, I'm interested to see how that works with Tiger being back. And I can testify to that. And you know this, and you've been around me with PGA Tour Radio and covering events. Uh, when I've been there in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I did that for several years back in the 2010s, especially. It is ridiculous. I, I mean, uh, we can't convey enough the thousands and thousands and thousands that are around every golf hole trying to see the guy in the day. And I, I would assume going to be the same kind of thing with the galleries around him here, because how many more times are you going to have a chance uh, to be around him? How many more seasons? He's 47 years of age now. He is injured and broken down physically. But yeah, it it is 
it's a bunch. It's a bunch on you mentally and trying to stay on your game to have all of that because they're not used to that, uh, except in the major championship kind of feel. Uh, and we'll see. Uh, he's comfortable with that group. You were kind of half joking, I think, when you said all the marquee groups. There's only one marquee group. That's that group uh, for this yeah, that, weekend. Uh, for the now Genesis you know Open. that you're familiar with the designated tournaments. You know, last week yes. in Phoenix was the first one, and this is also a designated one. And they have a new deal. It's kind of brought about with the PGA Tour kind of stepping their game up with some of the other stuff going on in the golf world. Well, yeah, we the, should just say it more plainly. These are the things that the live golfers <laughs> wanted that the PGA Tour is now doing, which is increased purses. Lo and behold, they suddenly have tens of millions of dollars more to pump into these events for the purses. That's one thing they were asking for. Guaranteed money is another thing they were asking for, which is even if you miss the cut, you're still paid. That's the same for this event as it was last week for the Waste Management Open, and there's numerous ones uh, that have it. So, uh, again, it's just it's interesting well, no, that, how this the, has evolved. Keep going. Yeah, these designated tournaments, you know, elevated, you know, however you want to call them, is these guys uh, promise to play in them like they can only miss one. Right. So, like, Roy McElroy did not play in the one in Kapalua, so that means every one of these designated events the rest of the year, he's supposed to be in the field. And like Adam Scott did not play last week in Phoenix. So the rest of them, he's supposed to be there, you know, stuff like that. So it's going to kind of have a feel of a mini major. You remember a few years back when they had the, we had the shutdown and the first tournament back was the Colonial mm -hmm. and it was like a player's championship field. And that's kind of what we have with these elevated events is like a little mini player's championship. And so the, there will be some other marquee groups, but obviously there's one group that will stand above the rest and that's Tiger, Justin and Rory. And, you know, we've talking about the golf, it's such a huge week for PJ Tour in general because the uh, Netflix documentary series Full Swing yes. premieres on the 15th, which we're doing this on Valentine's night. So tomorrow it will be on in all eight episodes. They're 45 minutes roughly each. And I got, I was fortunate enough, I got to see the first episode, the premiere, and it featured a lot of Justin Thomas and uh, Jordan Spieth. And like they kind of focused on Jordan winning at the Heritage in Hilton Head, and then Justin Thomas's victory at PJ Championship, his second major. And it was really fun. Like, you know, it's from the, the group that made the Drive to Survive Formula One, and they've got a lot of behind-the-scenes access. They're on the jet with Justin and Jordan as they're flying up from Dallas to go <laughs> do a practice around Southern Hills, and they're they're gambling on the way up there, and there's a lot of trash talking, and it's, it's really well-made. And I think people that like golf are going to see a lot of stuff they haven't seen before. And people that don't know as much about golf are going to really enjoy some of these guys. And there's going to be some guys that get some serious bumps from it. That's an excellent point because from Formula One standpoint, they got a real ratings bump last year. And a lot of it was that Netflix series seeming to draw everybody in. Uh, it's kind of the same thing as uh, HBO going to the hard knocks in the season where it's kind of drawing you in. Now, granted, the last two years, the teams haven't been ultra successful. It was what Indianapolis two years ago, and the Cardinals were falling apart this year as part the of the Cardinals was kind of like a train wreck, though. You know, yeah, with everything it, we got to see there, they even had footage of Cliff Kingsbury talking to the guys after he got fired. Yeah. So, but uh, I mean, the the total access, the all access, the behind the scenes, it's only going to draw more interest, especially from the non golf fan. I think to make them interested. And so, you said eight episodes, and it's all centered around what happened last year. None of it is going to be current for this year. They're all done, correct? They're in the can. Right. They started filming last year. I believe they said it. Tory Pines, Chad Mum is the producer, and I follow him on Twitter. He's a good follow. A lot of talk about the uh, series and the tour. 
and they had access to all four majors. So the Masters, the Open Championship of St. Andrews, they had all of that. You know, they got to go into the players' dining, all the places the regular media wow. like you and me when we're at these yep. events don't get to go. They're at the, you know, in the cars with the guys. They're at their rental houses. It's a lot of stuff like the this original one that I told you I watched. They had the guys in the gym. Like I said, they had them, you know, talking, you know, on the planes. You know, they talked to Justin Thomas's dad, you know, the because you and I are familiar with that, how his father and his grandfather were both PGA of America pros. So a lot of stuff like that. And they also have Amanda Renner from CBS. She's on it. She's kind of explaining for someone who doesn't follow golf, like, you know, we have four rounds. We have 150 players. We have a cut. You don't make money if you miss the cut. You know, so there's stuff for people that aren't super into golf. They'll explain it, kind of like I was with Formula One. And it, it's really, really well made, and I highly recommend it. Smart move. Smart move to have that documentary for the tour and for what they're doing. Hey, while I have you here, I may I may have you back at some point in and around all this, and it's still a good distance in the future in golf terms. It's not it's not six months from now, but it's not next week. The two events have been staples in Dallas with the the Byron Nelson, which what's the latest incarnation? It's the AT&T Byron Nelson, right? And right. what is the colonial now? Is that still the Charles Schwab or is it Charles something? Schwab challenge? Okay. The, the Ben Hogan uh, event in, in Fort Worth, those two events, am I correct? Correct me if I'm wrong. They're not elevated events with the extra money, with the guaranteed top names. Is that a slight for the area and for both of those tournaments to not one of them to not be given that status? How much of a slight do you believe that is by the PGA Tour? Because they gave it to Hilton Head, for example, uh, as one of the elevated events. And I want to say there was another one that stood out to me that you're like, why do both of those have it, but not the Nelson or Colonial, one of the other two in Dallas that have been there 50, 60 years as PGA Tour events? What is, what is your thought? And is it a slight from the PGA Tour to that area where you are? Probably a little bit. You know, Texas has five PGA Tour events. And the one in Austin, the match play, which is the mm -hmm. last year of the Dell match play, you know, the WGCs are done after this. It's an elevated event. So Texas itself, which in Austin's about three and a half hours south of where I am in DFW. And so we have one. But also to just answer your question straight up, I think it's kind of a slight, especially when you factor in that AT&T and Charles Schwab are such good sponsors for the tour. AT&T having two events with Pebble Beach also, and neither of them getting elevated. Mm. And then Charles Schwab, you know, basically bankrolling the Champions Tour with the Charles Schwab Cup. So I kind of thought that might have something to do with it. I've heard rumors that they're going to rotate some of these elevated events. So just because you're not this first year doesn't mean you won't be one later on. But, like, look at the schedule, and this is kind of where you're, you're like, you know, there's not only so much they can do. In the month of May, you've got the Wells Fargo at Quail's Ho Quail Hollow, which is an elevated event. Then you have the Nelson, which is not. Then you have the PGA Championship, which is. You have the Colonial, which is not. You have the Memorial, which is. So, you know, like Jordan Spieth, Scotty Scheffler, some of the people live here, they're going to have to skip one of those other, like, you know, whether it's Wells Fargo or the Memorial, or they're going to be playing five weeks in a row, you know, in five big weeks, but, you know, because the right. local tournaments to them are such a big deal, and Jordan is – sponsored by AT&T and lives in Dallas. Scotty Scheffler regained the number one ranking. You know, he almost won the Charles Schwab Challenge last year. He lost in a playoff to Sam Burns. So, obviously, he's had some success there. So, it's a good chance they'll both be there. It's just, like I said, there's there's only so many weeks, and these guys can't play every week, especially when 
you have these elevated events with, you know, $20 million purses and more FedEx cut points and just all that goes with it. You know, it's kind of is what it is, but as someone who's grown up in Fort Worth and just loves the Charles Schwab challenge and thinks that the history of that wall champions, which pretty much other than Tiger and Greg Norman has every name you could ever want on there. You know, you stay on the first team, you look at it, you get the chills and you think of everyone who's played, you know, on, on that course and they've stood there and, you know, they've got the horrible horseshoe three, four, five, and just, there's so much to it. The Ben Hogan statue, the colonial clubhouse, you know, and the Byron Nelson is at a different course than he, it was at the four seasons for a long time in Irving. Mm-hmm. Now it's up in McKinney at um, the TPC Craig ranch. And this will be its third year there. So we'll see how that goes. They've had a lot of good response. You know, a lot of fans come out the last couple of years. So we'll see how that one goes. But like I said, with them having the big sponsors, I was really kind of surprised that at least one of the ones in DFW didn't get it. You make a good point, though. Maybe they rotate back to it again. He is a wealth of what goes on in Dallas-Fort Worth uh, with sports and also with the media and the media coverage. And uh, I leaned on you for a bunch. You gave me a bunch. I always love talking with you. We'll see what happens as all of this unfolds, including Tiger in the Genesis Open this weekend. Famous Jay, anything else in closing, or are we all good? Are you going to sneak in a quick uh, 80s, 90s movies reference before you're done here? Anything else? Are we good? Yeah, I actually wanted to ask you, because we haven't talked about it, the, the new Presumed Innocent TV show with Jake Gyllenhaal on Apple TV+. Plus. I, I am. I, has that <laughs> begun to air yet, or is it still in production? What's the status? Because I have a strong feeling uh, about this that I'm about to utter, but is it out? I don't know this. I'm ignorant. No, no, they're deadline Hollywood. If you follow them, the Hollywood reporter, they've been doing all the casting. And like, I think I texted you the other day. They've changed some of the characters up. He's got an additional kid than he had in the movie. The Harrison Ford character did Rusty Savage. So we'll see how it goes. I think it's going to be eight episodes. It'll be a limited series. I don't think it's going to be something that gets, but to me, I, I keep warning you leave the, leave the movie in your mind and in your memories uh, with Harrison Ford and the late John Spencer and Bonnie Bedelia and the whole twist ending, leave it there because the TV series is only going to disrupt all of that. So to me, <laughs> I'm going to avoid it. I'm going to stay away. I'm going to stay away. And I'm like, I'm trying to advise the famous Jay to stay away, but somehow I think you may peek at it and give me an update on whether it's worth it. I might have to, you know, and Jake Gyllenhaal also has the new Roadhouse coming out. So I'm again, again. You got to leave that. You got to leave that be. It's just like when they remade Point Break, which you and I are big on, Patrick Swayze, uh, Keanu Reeves. They remade it. I stayed away. I have still stayed away. I've never watched. I think I maybe watched two minutes flipping by a channel till I realized what it was. But I've never watched that. Leave leave the classics from the 80s and 90s as the class. You cannot remake or redo Roadhouse. You cannot do that. Just, I'm just saying that on the last <laughs> one on sports. <laughs> lastly, lastly, we have the uh, Beverly Hills Cop Four is coming. It's going to be on Netflix with Eddie Murphy in it, so we have that to look forward. But to. in that in that case, you're not remaking it with different actors, different characters, or picking it up as an eight week series or a ten episode series where you're remaking it. You're continuing it with an aged Axel Foley, and am I am I not mistaken? An aged Judge Reinhold, John Ashton. Those guys are going to be back. Um, I think they're going to do it. The idea is part three was so bad. I think part four is supposed to act like part three didn't even happen. (laughs) Oh, you're too good. You got too much stuff here. And I know you got to go. We'll rock on as well. Thank you. Famous Jay. Uh, We appreciate it. Jay Betzel for all things DFW, a little Super Bowl, little Kyrie Irving to the Mavericks in that market, little Tiger Woods, little golf. 
Love it. Thank you, my friend. You betcha anytime. Good stuff there. And again, love Jay's insight at the famous Jay. Also, Ken Fang with us earlier from Awful Announcing Fang's Bites uh, on Twitter and uh, does a great job with Awful Announcing with everything going on there from um, rating different broadcasts and keeping you up to date on the latest news with that site, et cetera. And, and we have a lot of fun. We're going to bring you diverse people in sports media and much more here on this show last word on sports media podcast and again george offman would tell me a story i don't know great diversity on his podcast he's got the different chicago uh, sports writers and media members roundtable on this week's episode that's immediately preceding this episode of the last word on sports media podcast catch george's tell me a story i don't know with those four uh, personalities and writers that have decade after decade after decade after decade of covering chicago sports and again, George coming up with the likes of Jason Benetti of uh, of Fox Sports and also the Chicago White Sox. Greg Gumbel, who will be on the NCAA tournament coverage yet again uh, this coming uh, year as a studio host. and has been uh, a longtime associated figure with CBS Sports' coverage of that event. You'll hear them on George's podcast. Mike and Phil with the Announcer Schedules podcast. A very interesting guest coming up for, for, our, uh, for their show. You'll also hear their takes on uh, Super Bowl 57 coverage, who's been calling it well, whether it's uh, the end of the NFL season, the, the college basketball, the NBA, the NHL, and then, uh, of course, around the corner, Major League Baseball will be starting up as well, too. And we do have a couple of interesting things that are coming up this weekend, uh, including the NBA All-Star Game in Salt Lake City that will be taking place, where the captains are basically pick, picking the teams like the night of, like a pickup game. Uh, interesting with that. And also the Daytona 500 kicks off the NASCAR season. It's biggest event always leads off its season. Fox uh, is back with the Daytona 500 coming uh, this weekend. Uh, the uh, the uh, obvious uh, Super Bowl of motorsports, as they dub it, in stock car racing. That'll be part of all the coverage with college basketball. The NFL is done now. we got college basketball. You've got the NBA All-Star Game. You've got the NHL cranking up, as, as we mentioned. So you've got those big events, obviously, as well. In any event, thank you for finding me uh, and finding us here on The Last Word on Sports Media, our partnership with LastWordOnSports.com. Make sure you're following, subscribing, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, wherever you get those podcasts. As we rock along uh, here through the month of February and head on, I am merely TJ Reeves. You've been with me on The Last Word on Sports Media Podcast. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.